always been fighting over methods. We have always been fighting over doctrine. We have always been fighting over money. We have always been fighting over this tug and pull between mainstream acceptance and church acceptance. The only difference is it's just it's a bigger it's a bigger fight because there's more people into it now. But it has more money, more attention. Screw that, they know, let them have it, do it. Okay, I'm around and prove it. Never mind, got a mind that'll wind up with me in a lineup behind bars with these bars. Okay, my time. Uh, team Freedom. Yeah. We not through yet. All right. Track Stars Music. What's going on? This is Sean with the Track Stars. I got KJ52 here with me. How you doing, sir? Excellent. You like this background? <laughs> I do. I do. That's awesome. So okay, you're out yeah. there with your kids right now? Yes, full dad mode. That's awesome. Well, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect for what we got to talk about today then. Just kind of looking back at your career and your life, talking about this uh, book you just put out. You've been in a reflective mood recently. What's, what's that about? <laughs> uh, I mean, I probably perpetually stay in the past. But um, I think for me, um, I mean, look, I wanted to write a book for a long time. I just yeah. didn't know how to write it. Uh, and maybe maybe probably towards the front end, you know, I think I don't think I had the experience like I do now that comes with just, you know, multiple rotations around the sun, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, honestly, I, I almost gave up on the book. Again, um, it wasn't until I kind of figured out the formula that worked for me. And I had already done the documentary, so I was like, I didn't want to rehash anything. So I thought, what if I just collected the stories that everybody wanted to hear? You know right. I mean? And um, the weird thing about it was the book was very much like created by the fans because uh, Justin Sarachik, I don't know if you know him. Oh, yeah. So initially he was going to write it and then it just didn't work out timing wise. I said, but I'll tell you what, I like the way you interview. So here's a bunch of possible ideas. And he actually picked them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I just wrote down 60 ideas and then we kind of narrowed it down to what we wanted to do, uh, what, what he thought was appealing. And then I transcribed the audio and then kind of re-edited it, added a bunch of more stuff, and then paid somebody to kind of like edit it the way it should be. So. Yeah. What's interesting is uh, you said that you aren't good at sitting down and writing a book. So no. you actually dictated this out like uh, yes. like an old school, you know, Paul in front of his scribes type situation. <laughs> I don't know. I- I never heard it put that way with so much honor yeah. given. Um, that was freestyle right off the top. I just thought of it. <laughs> I, well, it was, it, here's the thing. is I thought, well, I can talk. I mean, talking's not a problem. Yeah. I'll just get in front of a mic and I'll tell the stories. And the stories never came out the way I wanted them to. And I realized I had to have an audience. Yeah. So even if it was just one person that was the audience that I knew wanted to hear what I had to say, that just brought out a better you know, telling of the story. So you, you really react to facial expressions and you can see in someone's eyes if you need to say something louder or get funny or is that how you're doing it? I, I'm not that insecure, probably close. <laughs> um, it was enough just to have him on the phone. Okay. Because, you know, we would, we would talk real quick, but it really just put me in 
speak, talking mode, you know, story time, story time. Yeah, more conversational. Absolutely. And that's what I wanted yeah. it to be. I wanted it to be like a conversation. So the beauty of that was knowing that he was listening, but he was reacting, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's hearing it for the first time. All yeah. he knows is a title. Yeah. So that is the feedback that I needed to hear. Um, but then the beauty also was that the guy that actually did the editing, which is a guy by the name of Andrew Schwab, um, we're the same age. We used to be label mates on Tooth and Nail. Uh, yeah. He's he's a rock guy. He's a rap guy that became went in the rock direction. I am a rap guy who stayed there. Right. Um, so we were both the same age, both the same frame of reference. So anything I was telling him, he totally got it. It's like there was times where our stories paralleled. And so to have someone that got it and was like passionate about it, yeah. it made made he enhanced the story. Yeah, you mentioned uh, insecurities. You did get into some of your insecurities. Uh, that one happened on the spot. That was actually interesting. Really? That one, that one, yeah, that was not an actual idea. Um, that was me trying to get things going, and he had just hit me, and I said, hey, dude, this is fresh in my mind. Do you mind just listening to what I'm about to talk about? Yeah. And uh, that's the only one that happened like that. I think a lot of people can relate. I know I related to that. Um, I was very insecure. <laughs> Growing up, um, you talked about your hair. Seems like yes. you have um, some insecurity with uh, letting it grow and not having the buzz cut and everything. But um, I think a lot of people have a lot of people have insecurities like that, you know. Yes, I love that Kanye line. You know, uh, we're all insecure. I'm just the first to admit it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, mean? um, I knew I wanted to do something like that. I just couldn't figure it out. But it was like. It was like that moment of when inspiration hits you, and um, and I just took it from there. And again, it was never on the docket, but I moved it up to like the second song, the second story, yeah. because you know it really sort of kind of helped set the tone, so to speak. You know? That's awesome. So so you you decided to write this book, um, and also intertwine it with music as well. How yes. did you decide this format? Like I don't know if I've seen the. I haven't really seen this, especially on streaming a streaming site like a Spotify, being able to hear somebody talk, hear music, that whole right. experience. Well, I, I looked at my book as three waves, so I knew that there was people that were only going to read the book. They were only going to read the physical. I knew that yeah. there was people. There was a small percentage that was like, I just want the ebook. There was actually a pretty good percentage that said, I just want the audio book. And I had actually pulled my fans. I said, do you want music behind playing during the audiobook? And it was like a resounding no. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, people that, like, really are into the audiobook culture, they're like, I just want to hear you say it. That's all I want to hear. Yeah. So so that was my first wave of fan base. You know what I mean? Like, that's the most intense fans. They're the ones that paid for the book. You know what yeah. I mean? They're the ones that, like, are the reason why it was 200% funded. My second wave fans are my casual fans that will like buy it off my website. You know what I mean? Right. But they're much smaller. I knew that once I hit first wave and second wave, there really wasn't anything else I could do except sell it at shows. Yeah. But I thought, man, I've got all this following on Spotify or social, you know, I've got this following that knows me for music for 20 years of music. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to literally give them the book. Yeah. 
and I had never seen anybody do that, I said, well, it, and it was a pain in the butt because to, to distribute it, all the uh, music distribution companies rejected it. They're like, this is not a music piece. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course. So this kid came along, his name was AJ Jenkins. Uh, he hit me randomly on Instagram. He said, hey, dude, I've been a fan since I was a kid. I work with uh, Jordan Sparks, and he started naming these really big mainstream artists. He said, I just want to send you some beats. He sent me these tracks, and they were super dope, but they were not what the current sound of hip-hop is. They were kind of like chill hop, boom-bap kind of musical yeah. stuff. I said, dude, I don't have any use for this right now. I said, but would you like want to score the book? And he's like, absolutely. So once he started putting music underneath the chapters, I was like, wait a minute, this is like a different, you know, this is like a different thing. And so I'm like, I've always wanted to put out my demos. I never had the place to do it. I don't want to release, you know, my crappy demos when I was 19. <laughs> but I'm like, this makes sense now. It makes sense, yeah. It made sense. So it, it, it allowed me to finally put those demos out. It allowed me to, like, I went back and found old cassettes of, like, my first rap. I pulled those, you know. Yeah. So it's enough to, like, tell you the story, but then to actually play you the thing, like, this isn't yeah. just the song. This is the song that got me signed. Yeah. No, that was that was amazing. It, it's it's a dope format to have almost like an audiobook experience. But even for the people who read the book, um, you yes. still have a visual element to it. We're still seeing the pictures. We're still seeing yes. like you know little yes. hand drawn sketches yes. and like you're yes. reading your journal almost. That was the idea. And in fact, that wasn't even the idea originally. The, the original idea was just to. I had my. I was just going to make a book, and I had my intern read it. As he's reading it and editing it, he's like, "What happened with this? What happened with this?" And I'm like, "Oh, let me show you this picture real quick." Yeah. And then he's like, "Man, you know, you have a picture for this?" And I'm like, "Wait a minute, I have pictures for all this stuff." Yeah. I thought, you know what? Okay, I'm going to put these pictures in there. Then I'm like, "Hold on a second. I could annotate the pictures myself, right?" Yeah. Then I'm like, "Wait a minute, I might as well just go all the way." and make it a completely immersive experience. So it was like, you're not just reading the chapter. The quote that starts off the chapter is from somebody that had something to do with that chapter. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? So, like, when I talk about burning the island down, yeah, that first quote is from the girl that I'm talking about in the story. Oh, wow. Like, when I talk about the wedding day disaster, the you know, first quote is my wife. You know what I mean? So, like, and I put you know, a soundtrack to each chapter. Yeah. I said, you know, this is the song you should go listen to. This is what I was playing at the time. Now, that's a super music head that would go and do that. Very few right. people would go that far. But the beauty is on my Spotify, you can go listen to the most, like, extensive version where I put all those songs in there. It's like 50 tracks, you know, and I made it yeah. a playlist. So. That's awesome. So speaking of that island, you guys still have that property on that island. Can we go to KJ's Island? <laughs> no, 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 we don't. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I'm actually going there with my son next week, but no. Uh, unfortunately, we sold that, or my grandma sold it not too okay. much longer after I stopped coming up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they. <laughs> I don't know if they take too kindly to a bunch of random people showing up, but there's a lot of those places in the book you can go to. You know the place that I showed the picture of where I lived in Ebor City. Like that's right. So there we else. just we just came up with a scavenger hunt idea, man. 
got to go take a picture in front of all the locations <laughs> and send it in. <laughs> We're going to scare a lot of people. Okay. It's kind of scary. It's funny because my dad's lawyer now owns that building. So like, Oh, wow. I, and I took, uh, it's funny you say that. When, uh, when I was at Flavor Fest a couple years ago, I took Dre Murray and Alex Faith with me to that place. Oh, oh wow. And it was yeah, like, what's, what's interesting is I grew up in South Florida as well, so I'm trying to imagine some of the places that you're talking about and just kind of putting myself there as well. So I don't know if you're yeah. not from South Florida, it may not resonate, but like I was like imagining what you were talking about the whole time. <laughs> something about South Florida that like we have a certain, yeah, certain, something weirdness in the phosphate of the water, I think. Um, yeah, I don't think people really understand South Florida. They just consider it the South, but it's the one place where everybody feels like a minority, including white people. Everybody's a minority. <laughs> that is a, Depending on where you go. Now, South Florida, That's true, absolutely. that's true. Now, yeah. I would say as you go more north, you're right. It's totally different. It's, but I, it's, I laugh. Yeah. I laugh because people will be like, yo, man, I'm in Florida. Let's get up. I'm like, where are you? Pensacola. I'm like, you're 12 hours away from me. Like, do you understand how big this is? Oh, man, I'm at Disney. We should hang out. I'm like, no, Disney's a no. seven-hour drive round trip. Like, I don't have tickets just because I live here. It used to be like a special like school trip to go to Orlando for us. Hey, it was a big deal to go up there. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, you're, you're so you're so right. Um, yeah, and I, I laugh when people try to tease me about like Florida man headlines. You know, they're like, "Yo, man, your state's crazy." I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." Yeah. I'm not gonna argue with you. Like, you're absolutely yeah. right. You're absolutely insane. Florida man is accurate. Um, it's great, <laughs> uh, but but I think you. But I think the other thing you said is it does create a certain type of person. Yeah, right? yeah. So I know I've noticed white kids that are from South Florida or South Southern Florida, they tend to have a better worldview because they have grown yeah. up with so many different types of people. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean, um, you just have a better appreciation for culture and the diversity of who you are. And that, you know, it's an escape state. Everybody's coming here to escape something. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So if you, if anybody's listening to us talk and you haven't seen or heard or read this book, you talk about everything. I mean, you talk about Bill Cosby. You talk about former presidents. I mean, it, it's, it gets crazy. You may not expect to hear that. But you talk about yeah. a lot of stuff. How many stories didn't exist? Like you said, you had a ton of stories. You whittled it down to a certain amount. How many Honestly, what was in there was exactly what I wanted to put in there. There might have been two to three, the two to five that I left on the cutting room floor. Not necessarily because they weren't good stories. It was because I couldn't tell them without it being negative. So yeah. um, those were the two requirements I had was it had to be a positive story and it had to have a resolution. So while the story may not be positive, it's positive in the sense that there's a resolution or there's a takeaway. Yeah. Um, trust me, there's a lot of things I could write about or talk about that would be very negative and that would yeah. be a lot of people's business on Front Street. And I said, what do I really have to accomplish with that? And honestly, as I got to the very end, I was still hanging on to about two or three stories that I really wanted to tell. And as I began to share that with people, they're like, you know what? You should probably leave that off because yeah. it, it just 
tanks the whole thing. And the other thing you have to be careful. The other thing I had to be careful for was I didn't turn this into like a low key, you know, subtweet this on people on certain people. Of course, yeah, yeah. You know, like my getting revenge under the guise of my story. Like it's a scary. Yeah. You have to be very careful with that. I could I could tell you were careful because I mean even when you explained your label situation and how people overlooked you and all that, I know the way the way I do music I would have if it was a song I'm saying something that they may understand that everybody else may not understand just to you know just so we understand each other you know so to to show that kind of restraint is 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 strong because I know you probably have some more feelings about it that you don't really want to get into. Yeah, I think the next book will just be all negative stories. No <laughs> uh, just a tell-all. Just, just tell the truth, KJ. <laughs> so I wanted, I wanted to ask you about some stuff that's going on now because sure, we kind of grew up in the same culture, right? So uh, I heard you mention, you know, you had references to things that I particularly remember, right? I remember you, you mentioned, you may not even remember this, but you mentioned a picture Bible, right? That, that flashed in my head because I had like this picture Bible that was like a comic book, right? And I cannot wow. find it to this day. I can't find it. I'm, I'm constantly searching for this thing because it was amazing, right? Um, you mentioned the Mormon cartoon that explains yes. the yes. brother and the fight and all that kind of stuff. Like, yes. I'm like I saw that in my head when you said it. Yes. Um, so you, you, you know, we know the same stuff, right? So recently, Joshua Harris, how yes. did you feel about that? I know it, 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 it hit me in a place that was... Was it, it made me really sad. I don't know how you reacted to it. Well, I remember when you know the whole book came out. I kissed dated goodbye and all that stuff. I yeah. am fairly certain I was already married by then. Yeah. And I, I was a couple years into my marriage, so obviously there was no reason for me to read it. I did see the trickle down effect of it of certain yeah. people I knew. They're like, "Oh, I don't date. I just court. Uh, I'm not gonna kiss anybody till I'm married." And I remember thinking like. This sounds just very, like, restrictive without any actual biblical frame of reference for it. Um, But I'm like, you know, whatever. It doesn't really affect me. Um, I was also not part of the Reformed movement. I'm not a part of the Young Restless Reform. I don't look to those guys for spiritual leadership. I respect them. I have listened to them. I have, you know, maybe studied some of the stuff. But I'm not a part of it. So... I don't need the Holy Trinity of Piper, you know, Driscoll and Harris. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't affect me. So when I saw, obviously, one, him denouncing his book, I thought, if you are this devastated over him denouncing his book, part of me was like, that's on you. Like, yeah. You shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have put so much trust yeah. into one these thing. Leaders in these leaders and in one thing to define your identity because look anything paul said the bereans said all right we're going to check it with scripture first right so anything that's in there you should be doing your own due diligence Absolutely. if this has just if this has destroyed you on one hand you're right that's foul but the other hand it's like it's part of your fault yeah you know what i'm saying so then, you know, then to see him denounce his book, I'm like, all right, well, maybe that's a that's a sign of maturity, you know. Then to see him go, oh, I'm getting divorced from his, my wife. I'm like, okay, now we're kind of we're going DEFCON 5 here. And then, right. you know, right away he's like, and now I'm no longer a Christian. Yeah. Um, 
again, I don't have a dog in the fight, so I would just be more um, sad that someone has walked away from something that exactly. puts so much life and hope. But also, I would also have to say in love to that movement that he came from, that should be a bit of a heart check. Yeah. Because maybe somewhere along the line, somebody was elevated without being elevated. Somebody wasn't asking the hard questions. How's your marriage doing? Somebody wasn't asking, how's your doctrine? How is your actual faith in Christ feel? You know, no one's asking yeah. the hard questions. Again, I'm only speculating. Maybe they were. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I do. I don't want to turn this into a theological war, but I'm always curious how reformed and Calvinistic people feel about someone who is reformed and Calvinistic walking away from the faith. Well, the the uh, the response is they weren't Christians, right? Right. And that's so what I've been hearing. That's what I always hear. They were never Christians to begin with, right? So my response always is that one more is to go, then wouldn't that mean that all of us might not be Christians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So literally, every one of us right now could be duped into a sense of salvation by, by exactly. a sovereign God. Yeah. And, and that's the question I always want to launch at Calvinists who hold to that doctrine. Not in a sense of like, yo, let's go to war and fight about this. I'm just curious how you it's rectify this. Yeah. Because, because Calvin said that's incandescent grace, that God gives you grace and then it fades away. Mm. Now, I know yeah. I have Calvinistic friends that I've known for years that don't ascribe to Calvin when he said that, but I'm like, dude, there's a hole here that I would be very curious to know because that really actually means none of us have assurance of salvation. Right, right. But again, yeah, I'm, not it's, it's, lob, I'm not trying to lob grenades into this. It, those are the things that pop up in my head with this happening. Yeah, it, it just, I know for a fact this is going to cause a lot of people to rethink a lot of things and um i know a lot of people that i grew up with that either subscribe to it or didn't subscribe to it and people like this fall away start to realize that you put a lot of your faith in them instead of your actual faith in god and it's a hard blow and and look here's the thing i also understand that calvinistic and reformed theology came along in the time when christian rap were young black and brown people came probably from a church experience that did not have a strong intellectual male presence. Mm -hmm. And I think that filled a void for some. You know what I mean? A very paternal, male, strong, intellectual, heady approach to faith. If you grew up in an emotional, very women-dominated hyper-Pentecostal, very low-on-theology background, that has an appeal. Yeah. Because it almost fulfills a, a degree of male leadership that you might have been starving for for a long time. Mm. Which is great. I mean, yeah. God can use that, and I am certainly down for that. But the problem is, when that becomes way too prominent in your life, and I've almost noticed, like, there seems yeah. to be this blow, blowback to, to some of the reformed leaders because they're now finding out these guys aren't really down for quote-unquote social justice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's real. You know, 
issues that are real to the black and brown community, old white men that are sitting in these spots don't really have a relatability to it. And again, I'm not trying to slight or attack. I'm just saying I've watched this. Well, look, there's flaws in everything. I'm just saying I've watched now guys that I knew that were like super hard body about it. They've just they've calmed down. So yeah, much. yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I think this is a huge conversation. We probably got to do like an '80s and '90s Christian history lesson to see how all this stuff came in. Because there, there's been shifts that you know I was born in the '80s, so I didn't get to see how you know it shifted to what I saw. You know what I mean? I, you know what I was thinking about the other day? And again, I didn't come into Christian hip-hop until 1990. That's when I came to Christ. Yeah. But but I've noticed in Christian hip-hop, almost every 10 years, there's a new enemy. Yeah. Meaning there's a new thing that all of Christian hip-hop tends to fight against. When I came in, it was demons. Everybody was shooting and killing <laughs> up Satan. Everybody like, was killing a demon. Every yeah. rap was about, like, Bucking down the devil and spiritual warfare. Like, that dominated Christian rap for almost 10 years, right? Yeah, I remember. And then, and then it's almost like into the 2000s, you know, the, the new shift was like, we're fighting against false doctrine. That's our new fight. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. And then, and then for a short time, the fight was like against the Illuminati. Everybody was in the yeah. Illuminati, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then now our new rallying fight is social justice. It's yeah, yeah. police brutality. It's and and I'll be honest with you, the new enemy of Christian rap because every year, every ten years, there's like a new enemy of Christian rap. It's either Satan, or it's you know false religions, or it's the Illuminati. The new enemy of Christian rap that you'll see is the evangelical white church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's I, I, that's definitely happening now. That's definitely happening now. And, and it's, it's funny because then everybody that's new to it just goes, yeah, yeah, I don't like that too. Yeah, yeah. That's true, you know I mean? that's true. Hey, I, look, I think... Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I, I can only say that because when I was 19 and 18 and 20 and writing like my first Christian raps, I wrote demon bucking bars, you know, like I'm going to buck yeah. down the devil. I wrote that because that's all I heard my heroes say. Yeah, Absolutely. And little by little, I started to weigh that with scripture. I'm like, this isn't really biblical. I'm going to go away from this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think everybody has to come to that moment where you got to realize you were taught things. And you right. have to piece it back together and say, what, how much of this was from the Bible and how much of this was culture, right. tradition, yeah. politics? A lot gets added on to what we believe. Very true. And so I don't know how much I touch on that in the book, but there is sort of an overarching even if you listen to the audiobook, yeah, especially the, the version on Spotify, you'll see the shift in my content, my style. You'll see the shift in like my mentality. Hopefully, you'll see the shift in like my skill level. Yeah, you know what I mean, um, I even went back and listened. Like I have, I go back and listen to those first demos, and I'm in, I'm embarrassed. Mm. Not necessarily. I mean, sure, the skill level I'm embarrassed of. I'm really more embarrassed of how dogmatic I am. How yeah. ungraceful I am. Yeah. How how you know you know I just I was projecting a persona that partly was true and also was like playing the role. You know? Yeah. 
What do you think drives that? Because I, I guarantee the comment section on this video is going to have all of that, right? Lack of grace. It's going to have the judgment. It's going to have the yes. politics. It's going to have yes. the, the, you know, virtual signaling on your yes. side, my side. It's going to say Sean's had a MAGA hat. <laughs> all that kind of stuff, you know? Right. How do we right. fix that? Because it feels like we're fighting each other all the time. Well, here's the funny thing. I, I was reading some tweet or something, and somebody was saying how Christian rap has no leadership. It's, you know, it's lost its focus. It's all about there's no Jesus in the lyrics anymore. And I, I'm just laughing as I'm reading this because the irony is this argument has never not happened. Yeah. For 30 years of me doing this, maybe not 30, for 25 years maybe of me doing this, Every argument has, has taken place. The same arguments. There's always the ministry versus music <laughs> argument. There's always yeah. the we've lost our focus argument. There's always the we have no leadership. We need yeah. to be unified argument. So, and the funny thing is, people that come in at one era and stick around for five to ten years always go, I wish it was like how it was when I came in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it was more pure. It was right. more fill in the blank then. And the reality yeah. was it's not that it was, it just was for you. Yeah, you were more naive to the to all the underpinnings of it at that time. We have always been fighting over methods. We have always been fighting over doctrine. We have always been fighting over money. We have always been fighting over this tug and pull between mainstream acceptance and church acceptance. The only difference is it's just it's a bigger it's a bigger fight because there's more people into it now. But it is more money, changed. more attention. There's more money, there's more attention. We now occupy the space that Christian Rock occupied 20 years ago, so that is an actual real change. But there is literally nothing new. Okay. Okay. Anyone that anyone that says back in the day we had more Christian lyrics and more ministry is the same time. When somebody was arguing about cross movement versus LA Symphony, it was yeah. cross tunnel rats versus tunnel rats. Now it's Lecrae versus God over money. Now it's I mean it really makes no difference. It's just nothing has changed. Yeah. So so fix it. Fix it once and for all. What do you what what, what do you got to say to to, to I end snap this? My fingers, snap my fingers battle. like snap my fingers <laughs> like Thanos. Just watch everybody disappear. Half the, half the industry disappears. I don't think you can fix it as long as there's people involved. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, as long as there's people, there's going to be problems. Look, if the, if the first century church couldn't get along, what makes us be able to get along? That's true. That's true. If Jesus', if Jesus is 12 teenage idiot disciples were always jockeying for power and methods and problems, that's just to show you that as long as we're here, we're going to keep screwing it up. The best thing we can do is take care of ourselves to the best that we can. Yeah. So I you guess what, I mean? what you're saying is instead of worrying about the cycle, figure out how to make sure you're not a part of it, like how to guard your own I, heart from it. Well, I don't think it's I don't think it's yes. And I mean, I don't think it's if, you know, one or the other. I do think it's still both. I think we should be concerned for it. I think we should call out things as we see them in light of biblical standards. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't disagree with that, but I also know at the end of the day, if that becomes a bigger focus than what you're doing for yourself, then you've missed the point. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. Paul, Paul said, you know, Paul goes on the rant about all the people that's driving him crazy, and he ends it and goes, look, whether they do it out of vain conceit or selfish ambition or pure motives, as long as Christ is preached, he's like, I'm okay. Now, some people go, well, Christ, is, Christ isn't being preached. I get that. Then ultimately, that will catch up to them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the other thing I've seen is I've been around long enough to see when people clout chase for secular acceptance, how they usually end up not getting it. Um, you know what I'm saying? So I've, like, seen so many people come and go. It's like yeah. I'm, sitting, I'm sitting on the porch while everybody just keeps running by. And I'm like, he's going right. to You know gas. what's going to happen. Yeah. I already know what's going to happen because I've done it too. You know what I mean? To yeah. Some so, um, yeah, I, I, here's the only other problem I would say that is a unique problem. The unique problem to now is that everybody can have their own echo chamber, and that is a problem. Yeah, yeah. Because there used to be a system of checks and balances that wouldn't allow you to have your own echo chamber. Like, yeah. Like if you if you got on the mic and you put a bunch of profanity and you were still trying to claim Christ, but you were doing profanity-ridden Christian rap, like that was a career killer. Yeah. Now, you're going to find another audience. Yeah. So, now you may not have success, but there's going to be enough people still cheering you on to make you go, I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I definitely see that. I definitely see that. So that's part that's, of the problem. That's the problem, not even just in Christian hip-hop. That's the problem in, in society, period, right now. Absolutely. You are so, you are so correct. So, do you see anybody uh, coming up now that reminds you of yourself, a little KJ, you know, trying to put his demo tape together, sending it out to all the record labels? Is there anybody that reminds you of the same kind of, you know? Um, I don't know if there's somebody that reminds me of me because probably I was unique to that time. I don't know if there'll yeah. ever be that thing again. Um, and there's always people trying to sign the letter label, so that probably never changes. I will say this, this this summer was an interesting summer for me. I do a camp called Camp Electric. I've been doing it for almost 10 years. It's Toby Max Music Camp. Now, when I came in, I was the only rapper there. I was the only rap thing at it at all. I was always competing with rock bands. I would do one little rap thing. This year, it was zero rock bands on the on the setup. Oh, wow. It was the first year that there was an all-Christian hip-hop lineup at a rock camp. It was me, Aaron Cole, and Social Club. Wow. Now, that's landmark. Because yeah. that shows that the whole, the whole world has changed. Now, when I would have to get up in front of these non-rap kids, I'd have to make all kinds of concessions to like connect with that audience, and I'd have to dilute what I did, and I could never just be rapper guy, right? Yeah. This was the first year that those kids, I literally had to do nothing. I just could just rap. Wow. And I say this, here's why I'm answering your question in a long way. I said, this year is going to be the year that I open up my platform to whoever. And so I brought up Zay Hill from Alabama because he's on two yeah. of my songs. Uh, I had Poetics on stage with me as a nope, kind of like producer, producer hype man. Yeah. And then Jay Crum just happened to be in town. I, yeah. I had only talked to him online. He, yeah. he spit a verse on one of my remixes. And then Cannon, you know, lives in Nashville. I said, my show for this year is going to be nothing but featuring people. That's dope. And That's I, dope. The energy of what that felt like, 
brought me back to why I love the genre in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Because Zay, Zay came up, and he was nervous around me, and he's like, dude, I really look up to you and all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm old enough to be your dad, sadly. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he, him, he came up, and his brother, and his, I think it's his fiance. And they just were taking pictures of everything. And they sat in my yeah. rental car and, like, we drove a half a block and they videoed the whole thing. And it was just that innocence of, yeah. like, that innocent joy of just doing the music. And I brought him up and I said, dude, do not hold back. Be exactly yourself. And I just really took a back seat. And he absolutely crushed it. Like, let's go. Jake no, got up there and no, those kids didn't know who he was. He spit one verse, kids went off, went, lost their minds. Cannon, Cannon came up, crushed it. You know what I mean? Like, I watched Social Club, you know, just be themselves. It, it made me really feel like a really proud older brother. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, all those guys, those young guys, I've, I've had nothing but phenomenal experiences with. Just tons of respect. So much, like, sweet. They're just so happy. To just do the music, like that's really all yeah. they care about, and they all work with each other, which is something I think yeah. we didn't we didn't do. Yeah, I told them that I, we've we've worked with all those guys, and and um, they're all amazing. And every time we we have a young guy in, I'm telling them stick together. That's the one thing the generation I came up in. It was silos. We need to work together more, and they they're doing that. They're really doing that. I honestly think that attitude is why a lot of guys aren't around anymore. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Because they, they wouldn't work together. They divided themselves up. And, and sooner or later, the resources go dry. Like, you yeah. needed someone else. You know, I never really fit into any of those camps, but I tried to keep good relationships with everybody. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I already told you, KJ, I mean, there would be no track stars without you. Um, I know that makes you feel old or whatnot, but I'm starting to feel old with these young kids now, so I understand. But no, seriously, like, yours is the first album I ever bought, Christian Hip Hop. And you and Flame, so you both of you and, uh, are big big news right now. But um, <laughs> to see to see this full circle, like, I, I would never have even thought about doing anything like this. So your whole story, all the insecurities, all the setbacks, it, 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 it was worth it for me, you know? So at least uh, I, I'm a product of that, all that work. You know what I mean? Well, I, I'm glad to hear that, man. That made that made the uh, that made the the eviction, my car repossession, <laughs> and the and getting dropped all worth it. Yeah, I hope I hope it did. I really do. <laughs> um, so and and you actually you actually shouted us out and you actually gave us a chance with line for line. Like it wasn't just inspiration. You actually put your money where your mouth is. You actually helped. So, oh yeah, dude. I think. I've always thought that was such a necessary thing. Like, you guys were pioneering something kind of before it's pretty normal to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you feel like so you I feel just, that way? Um, yeah, I mean, there was there was a guy, um, Sean Blue, who was doing it without the commentary, you know? Yeah. That's I where RGJ kind of got the idea from. But, gotcha. yeah, so, yeah, there were people doing it, but I think with the commentary, radio show, all that kind of, it's a little different. So, that helped. Uh, but yeah, we awesome. were really doing it, trying to get you guys more. That's what it was about. Yeah. So, you know what's funny? Here's what's funny. Can I just say one last thing? Yeah, yeah. You guys doing that was a huge insult to most of the artists. Yeah. And now it's like a huge compliment. 
<laughs> it is, it is. And what's crazy is we, we didn't care. <laughs> we didn't right. care about that because we knew why we were doing it. And Isn't we knew that it funny? worked. Isn't that funny, though? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, people are asking for it now. Uh, listen, for years, I'm not going to lie, you know, like my audience has been small town white kids or, you know, CCM stuff. I don't say that with embarrassment. But part of that road that I was on, not that I necessarily picked it, it just happened, was having to educate people and the, to, like, hold their hand through, through the process of, like, this is how you rock to a rap show. Like, this is yeah. how you do this. Yeah. Like, and really yeah. diluting things. that I probably got flack for, and that's okay. This is what I'm trying to say. When I came up at Camp Electric this summer, or really almost any show I do now, when that beat drops... You know, with the typical trap, you know, build, drop, whatever. All the same kids that I would have had to educate 10 years prior know exactly what to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's like, crazy. It took me 20 years to be able to go, I can finally just rap for the sake of rapping. That's crazy. That's crazy. What happened was, the book is out now, the audio is out now, go check it out. Uh, tell them how they can find you. Uh, KJ52.com is my website. I don't think anybody goes to websites anymore, but you can find me at KJ52 Instagram. That's my Instagram, obviously, the way it sounds. KJ52 is my Facebook. Uh, KJ52 is my Twitter. Um, that's about mainly where I hang out at. I put videos up, you know, for my YouTube at 52 Television, but if you're into podcasts also, I do a podcast. It's KJ52Podcast.com or just search that on any podcast catcher. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. Oh, so, one more thing. Yeah. You can get the, if you want to get a physical book from me signed, it's kj 52 book. I appreciate you, man. All right, man. Have fun with your family. I'll talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Hey guys, Miracle here. Thank you so much for watching that episode. Make sure you go below, like it, subscribe, click the bell, and make sure you follow us on all forms of our social media. Also, check out our website and be sure you spread the word. We'll see you next time. We know not what we doing. Screw that, they know, let them have it, do it. Okay, I'm around and prove it. Never mind, got a mind that'll wind up with me in a lineup behind bars with these bars. Okay, my time. Team Freedom. Yeah. We not through yet. All right. Track Stars Music presents. Turn my volume up. Turn me off.